A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. The Lord replied, If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you would not say to this mulberry, you would say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your servant who has come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, Come here immediately and take your place at table? Would he not rather say to him, Prepare something for me to eat? Put on an apron and wait on me while I eat and drink. You may eat and drink when I am finished. Is he grateful to that servant because he did what, he, what was commanded? So should it be with you. When you have done all you have been commanded, say, We are unprofitable servants. We have done what we were obligated to do. The Gospel of the Lord. Today is the the start of the month of October, which is the month of Mary, uh, which is one of the reasons why before every Mass we'll be offering uh, the Rosary. The Knights of Columbus will be leading that. But also during this month of October, Father Ed and myself are going to try and do kind of a series and focus on the liturgy and on ministries here in this parish uh, and in this cluster. Now, every homily uh, should be focused on, uh, normally you've always heard it focused on the readings. And although it, it should have focus on the readings, it can also have a focus on the liturgy. And so we'll be focusing primarily on the liturgy, but we'll also be connected with the readings today. Um, and I think where I just want to, or uh, kind of pull out in some ways, uh, where, this, where this comes from and why we want to focus on the liturgy is because in Vatican II, in one of the uh, bigger documents, Sacro, or on the sacred liturgy, okay, I'll, I won't try to do the Latin, although sometimes I can get it, uh, the, one of the documents from Vatican II in 1963, which radically transformed how we encounter the liturgy, the Mass, on a weekly basis. One of, the, one of the lines it says, As for their faithful, the liturgical education and active participation, both internal and external, are to be pursued by their pastors with zeal and patience. Okay? So this is kind of our fulfillment in some ways of trying to help you be liturgically educated so that uh, you can be internally and externally participating in the Mass. And why is this important? Well, one of the, one of the analogies I'll kind of offer is I, uh, I grew up playing football, and so I always loved watching football. And I could never understand why people wouldn't want to watch football. My mom, she didn't really, my mom and my grandma didn't really want to watch football. And I was like, but can't you see how amazing it is, right? I mean, look at that throw and that tackle and that, that was an awesome play. And they just see people running around on the field. And they're like, well, it's just not very interesting. Well, I would liken it in some ways when I got to college and I, I've heard about rugby and I thought this is supposed to be a really good sport. It's exciting. People get to heat, 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 sorry, hit each other. Uh, it's kind of like football, so I should be able to step in and watch it and, you know, like it. Well, 
initially, I thought it was, you know, I knew that something impressive was happening. There were impressive athletes out on the field. But for the life of me, I just couldn't understand the rules that were going on. I tried to pay attention. I tried to understand what was going on. But I didn't have anybody to really tell me why they kept on stopping to play and had to throw the football backwards and and why they did certain things. And so I just lost interest. And I didn't really want to go back and watch another rugby game because I didn't know what was happening. Well, I think it's very similar for us in the liturgy as well. When we know what's happening within the liturgy, we know what a good liturgy is, right? I mean, there's still good football games and bad football games, you know, more exciting or less exciting. Um, And there are certain liturgies that are more, you know, exciting, you know, an ordination or a wedding uh, or sometimes Christmas or Easter, right? Those liturgies are going to be more exciting in some ways. And some are going to be a little bit less exciting, maybe. But one thing that will really affect whether we're able to be excited about it is whether we know what's happening or not. Because if we don't know what's happening, it's not surprising that a lot of people think that Mass is boring. Well, if you don't know what's happening, even football is boring if you don't know what's happening, right? And a liturgy requires a certain more uh, participation than just that. Now, one of our obligations as Catholics is Sunday worship. We have this Sunday obligation, right? And if we miss Sunday Mass, it's a grave sin. But yet, how, why is that a serious obligation? Was it just an obligation because you need to come here and listen to Father Samuel? No, that's not the reason. In fact, a Mass isn't essential on the homily. In fact, I could omit the homily for a serious reason, and Mass would still need to happen, right? Uh, What about receiving the Eucharist? Is receiving the Eucharist the main part of Mass? Say again, no. You have a Sunday obligation to attend Mass whether you receive the Eucharist or not. The primary obligation is not to receive the Eucharist on Sunday, but to attend and participate in Mass in different ways. And so, why is Sunday Mass so important? Well, Sunday Mass is so important because it is the source and summit of our faith. It's the source and summit. It's the source where we receive all of our grace from. Because all of our grace that we receive come from the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is represented and happens, and we participate in it, in it once again at the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass as the source of all of our grace. It is also the summit of our faith because there's no better action than we can do, that we can do than participate in the Paschal Mystery, the Passion, Death, and Resurrection. There is nothing better that we can do. Now, we participate in the Paschal Mystery, the Passion, Death, and Resurrection, in different ways in our life. We do that by serving the poor, loving one another, by sacrificing, by offering up our sufferings. But when we do that, it, it pales in comparison or is only a fraction of our ability to participate in the perfect Paschal Mystery, which we participate in here at Jesus' sacrifice that he offers. And we participate in that 
perfect prayer, that perfect sacrifice, which is Jesus's, right? Because we can't offer a better sacrifice. We can't offer a better prayer than Jesus. And we're able to kind of jump in the boat with Jesus at Mass. And so that's why it's incredibly important for us. Now, what kind of ways do we participate? Well, I talked about the passion, death, and resurrection uh, that we participate in, and we participate in through baptism, through First Communion, through reconciliation, but primarily here on a regular basis in Sunday Mass. In that same liturgy document that I was talking about from Vatican II in the 1960s, one of the, uh, in paragraph 14, there was also instruction that said, Mother Church greatly desires that all the faithful may be brought to take in that full, intelligent, or conscious, active part in liturgical celebrations. It is the right and duty of Christian people. Now, this is a really transformative line from Vatican II. This helped transform what the Mass was before to what it is today. Some of you maybe participated in a liturgy before Vatican II, and, and some people were able to participate in it in a greater way than others. The people and the priests were all facing the same way, and so sometimes there was a disengagement of the people. The priest spoke in Latin because it had been spoken in Latin as the vernacular from the Roman time. And people could follow along in the liturgy with the Latin and the English in a booklet, but sometimes they didn't. Sometimes they prayed the rosary, and sometimes there wasn't exactly as much of an active participation in the Mass as much as Mother Church intended. And so that's where we get some of our changes in the liturgy today. That's why we have dialogue back and forth. That's why the readings are read in a more than what normal. That's why we have it in the vernacular today. But I sometimes kid with people that, you know, we changed it to the vernacular, you know, like, oh yeah, you can't understand Latin, so you wouldn't be able to engage in the Mass if it was Latin. But I sometimes joke and say, well, I don't know. I speak English, the vernacular for Masses, and I still feel like people have no idea what's going on, right? I say a prayer, and people just zone out and don't even hear it. Whether I was speaking in Latin or English, sometimes we don't receive what it is. So is that a problem with the language? Well, we're doing it in English. Is it a problem with Latin? And once we change it to English, then it fixes all of our problems? No, not necessarily, right? So what is this active, conscious participation? Well, it's a participation in more than just an active way. Um, Sometimes it's interpreted as an active way where we need to try to get everybody as active as possible in the liturgy. We need to have these ministries and that ministries and and everybody, everybody in the choir and everybody up in the altar serving and we need as many ministries as possible. And and if you're not doing some sort of ministry, then you're not actively participating in in the liturgy. And that's just not the intention of these words. It's an intention of participation in the source and summit. Not just an active busybody, but in the heart. And that can take many different forms. It gives some examples in that same document. It says, servers, readers, commentators, members of the choir exercise a true liturgical ministry. Sincere devotion and discipline that benefit such a great ministry. But we're also called to encourage the people to take an active part 
their acclamations, answers, singing of psalms, antiphons, and hymns. Now, with those different ministries, do they help or hinder? I actually had a conversation with Joe right before this. He asked me whether I needed a server. And I said to Joe, no, I don't need a server, but I would like one. But I was more concerned about Joe. I said, Joe, is this going to help you pray more or less? And we can see that it, he, he thought it would help him pray more, stay more engaged, more active in it. And that would help him to pray. And so that's why we want those ministries to help us pray and participate in a way. But if it takes us away from participating in prayer, then sometimes it's not helpful. I know for myself, sometimes singing is, is a really powerful way to be able to help us unite and to be able to raise up our voices. But sometimes I need to actually stop praying because I need to be present in a way. And sometimes the singing distracts me from what's most important or my prayer and participation in the liturgy. Now that being said, you should pray, right? You should push yourself out of your comfort zone a little bit and pray. But sometimes it's not just getting the thing done. We want to fully participate. We want to fully participate not just in the words or the physical actions of standing, kneeling, sitting. But we want to fully participate in what's truly happening here, which is the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and His prayer that He offers to Mother Church. We also want to consciously participate. We want to consciously be engaged and not distracted. We want to intellectually know what's happening. Not so that we can intellectualize it, but so that we can know and we can, and we can participate and know what we're participating in. And we want to have active participation, which isn't just busy bodies, but an active participation where we don't just sit back and receive, but we put our heart into the liturgy, into the prayer of Jesus Christ, and His offering to the Father. These ministries can be helpful or hurtful. I think one of the most important things that we need to realize with the different ministries which we have, which is serving, ushers, greeters, Eucharistic ministers, the choir, is, and we need to have uh, an attitude, not just of getting the job done, not just of busy bodies, but I think of two attitudes. One is that you're serving other people's participation in the liturgy, right? When a reader comes up here to read, they don't just read to make themselves look good. They read so that you can hear the Word of God in a better way. We don't, we're not greeters in the back of church so that we can have something to do before Mass. We're there actually to welcome those so that hopefully people feel the love of God so that they can pray in a greater way. Another attitude that we need to have within ministries is to realize what kind of a gift it is to God. That when the choir is up here singing, it should be a gift of saying, may God increase and may I decrease, right? All to the glory of God. That I want to sing and I want to do whatever gives God greater glory. Whether that's helping other people join in, 
whether that's encouraging other people or at times, uh, you know, stepping down or participating in different ways, whether the servers are saying, you know, like, what kind of ways can I be less seen and what kind of ways can I help those serve in a greater way to help the liturgy flow so that others are able to participate in a greater way. We have an amazing gift here in the Mass. And I don't think we always understand what it is. We come here as servants of Jesus Christ, uniting with Him in His prayer and His gift and His sacrifice to the Father. At the end of our life, we pray that we might have served the Lord well in all that we do and might have those words that we say that we heard at the end of the Gospel. We are unprofitable servants, right? That the, Jesus doesn't need our participation for his prayer to the Father. But he allows us to participate, right? We're unprofitable servants. We have done only what we were obligated to do. But in that is our salvation. In that is our participation with Jesus Christ and his grace, abundant grace that he offers us.